Do you want to feel happier? Do you want to feel more radiant and more alive? Or to go beyond alive and truly feel like you are thriving? That's what I'm here for. Helping you find that best you that you know is in there. It is. And you can start accessing that you today. It's possible. If you're ready for a shortcut to just that, let's work together. Reach out and let's work one-on-one to transform you and your life into happy, into thriving. Reach out to me and book a quick call. It's in the show notes and let's get you there. Are you really committed and ready? Then let's do it. Personally, I'm the happiest I've ever been thanks to all the practices that I've made a part of my life. You can be too. It is here for you. I promise. You can also access my course, The Youthfulness Hack, which is all about feeling good and getting radiant and all the things I do concentrated in one spot. Go there today and use code AMY15 for 15% off right now, only for listeners of this show. And if you are truly ready to have accountability and live happy, book a call with me today. The world needs your best. You deserve your best. Hello, and welcome to the Amy Edwards Show. I'm your host, Amy Edwards, and I'm so excited today because we have a friend of the show who's dropping a new book that we've talked about a lot on the show, so I'm just so excited to delve in more deeply with her today. And I'm just so excited that you're here because we're all about changing our lives for the better here and living happily and more peacefully in this very moment. That's what it's all about. That is what it's all about. You know, so I talk about being our best self, but that doesn't mean we have to make any rules about it necessarily. It just means feeling good in this moment and optimizing life. So thank you for being here. And if you haven't reviewed the show, I would so appreciate it if you would, because those really make a difference as we're growing this show. So thank you so much in advance. All right, let's get to today's guest. Hello and welcome, Amanda Kuda. Hey there. Amanda Kuda, you are an alcohol-free lifestyle expert and coach and author of the new book, Unbottled Potential, Break Up with Alcohol and Break Through to Your Best Life. Yes. Yes, I am a living testament to your title. You are. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I am just so proud of you and everything that you have awakened to in the last, what is it, year and a half now? A year uh, and a half. Yeah, being alcohol free. Um, um, uh, uh, like right at eight, as this comes out, right at 18 months, I think. So wild. So, How do you feel? Uh, I feel really good. Mm-hmm. And it was funny reading the opening of your book because you're pretty graphic about the hangover that you had. Mm-hmm. And I mean, graphic meaning you're, you dr- describe it well. Yeah. And man, I really sat and thought about like, how I felt when I was hungover. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily think about that when I think about having a drink. Cause I yeah. do think about having a drink every now and then. Yeah. Um, but golly, when, when it's so miserable, mm-hmm. did you relive that when you were writing Oh, it? I did. And, and when I like, read it in every moment, I just remembered, you know, I start with this story of new year's Eve morning. Right. So not New Year's Day hungover, New Year's Eve morning, because I went out the yes. night before. I can totally relate, by the way. I've gotten so shit-faced the night before New Year's Eve. Yes. Before. Because you're like ready to party. Yes, you're amped up. It's yeah. going to be a long weekend. And yep. I went out on one of those nights, you know, expecting to have just a few. And we were here in Austin, <laughs> and um, I had a few too many. And it ended up, we were downtown, we're dancing and having this great time. And then I wake up the next morning, and I just feel 
debilitated. Mm -hmm. And I just remember, you know, getting an Uber back to my car. And of course the Uber, like the curse of air freshener, you have like this (laughs) pungent air freshener. And I just thought, oh my God, this is going to be the undoing of me. And I could barely hang on New Year's Eve. I maybe had like a sip of champagne. And then the next day I woke up to go meet all of my friends. And I remember having a couple drinks throughout the day, but intending to do dry January. You know, I'm going to start on January 2nd because I wasn't brave enough to start on the 1st. Mm -hmm. But the whole day I barely drank anything because I just felt disenchanted. It wasn't even that I still, I mean, I still felt a little hungover, but I also just felt like, what is this? Just an a hamster wheel that I'm on. It's the same thing over and over. You know, I don't identify as being an alcoholic. This was in my early 30s when I was just living kind of that social mm-hmm. party lifestyle that so many of us become accustomed to. And it just felt boring and stupid. I don't know. I just didn't feel attached to it anymore. And it felt kind of scary because when you've lived your entire adult life in this persona of partying and hanging out and socializing and drinking, you know, I kind of call it the Carrie Bradshaw lifestyle. It is really scary to leave that behind. And yet I did. This is almost seven years later. And I'm so glad because it's changed my life in ways that I could never have even imagined. Well, you're a trailblazer in this space because back then there was no, no in between. Mm -hmm. I remember for me, it was way before that and I didn't stop drinking but I remember having a moment where I was like I have a problem like Mm -hmm. there's something Mm -hmm. and I talked to someone I was close with about it and she really she was a drinking buddy too yep but she really pushed back on me because she was like you're not an alcoholic you know like basically like I've known alcoholics and like almost mad at me Mm -hmm. but there was no in-between space to even talk like there was nothing you know like and you forged you and at the same time some other people Mm -hmm. forged this sort of new way of looking at hey as your tagline goes you know you don't have to have a problem with that for, with problem with alcohol for alcohol to be a problem in your life. Yes, nailed it. Yeah, it's <laughs> did, did I nail you it? did. Thank Thanks. you for my spokesperson, <laughs> person Amy. Um, it is just I had to reckon with this um, this belief that you know I had an alcoholic stepmother for a portion of my adolescence, so I knew what alcoholism looked like. Like I knew what that was, and I was looking at my drinking habit, and I'm like, well, it's not that. So I didn't feel congruent with the options yeah. that were available, which was twelve steps rehab you know, getting a sponsor, whatever. And even though those probably could have been helpful, I also felt um, inauthentic going to those places because I didn't. And, you know, I know that if you go to AA, you don't have to say I'm an alcoholic, but I didn't feel, it didn't feel inspiring to go into those places. Yeah. And so I don't talk when I go really. Yeah. I almost don't feel qualified. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. You feel like an imposter. Yes. But really what they say is the only qualification is the desire to stop drinking. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So, I mean, yes. 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 Totally. And Mm -hmm. there's also this other, well, but right. You know, people stand up and say, my name is Amanda and I'm an alcoholic (laughs) and that didn't feel congruent for me. And I wanted to be around a community and around mentors who kind of had the same thing going on that I did. And what I, you know, I was at my Google search bar looking up what to do, how to quit drinking if you're not an alcoholic. And this was seven years ago and there really wasn't much around. There were a handful of really, really amazing trailblazing women who were doing work in the space, but a lot of them still used recovery language. And that's still, I'm, I'm just really stubborn, Amy. So I was like, "Mm, recovery, no, that's not it. And even though those resources could have been very helpful, I was really seeking for something specific. And when I couldn't find it, I just started to create it for myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as, as I started to share about what I had created and what I was doing, 
I started to create a platform and a community and a career for myself. And I would have never imagined that, you know, the book when I was in second grade thinking to myself, I'm going to write a book someday. Why would, no, I think I'm going to write like an R.L. Stein, scary, (laughs) you know, scary kids book. And this turns out, I still could, you never know, next Mm -hmm. book. Um, But it turned into, I knew I was meant to write a book and this kind of just plopped into my lap of this is what you're destined to do right now. And I'm really honored to do this work because I've seen in my life and the life of my clients and my friends, how life-changing it can be to make this seemingly simple yet not easy at all solution or decision to change your relationship with alcohol. Yeah. It's, it's not, e- I'm glad you say not easy because yeah. it's not easy. No. It's not easy. Yeah. It, it's been challenging for me in some different ways, some unexpected ways and just things that I've, you and I've had conversations about this because mm-hmm. we're friends now, like things that have fallen away in my life that have made me like, what? Yeah. You know, that make me want to go have a drink. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to say what some of those are? Well, yeah. I mean, like my statesman job ended mm-hmm. the day we recorded and I committed to your 90 day challenge, uh-huh. which has now turned into two year challenge for me or longer, whatever. Um, yeah. The, you know, the, the podcast network closed that day, mm-hmm. which was really like in hindsight, I'm like, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, and you know, just, just like, it's just been challenging, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, in like some ways of like navigating my own dreams yeah. and surrendering. Yeah. It, I think it's very serendipitous though that all of those things fell apart when you chose to make the decision to show up for yourself because I I can sense that just being in similar positions in my past and working with clients who have dealt with similar places where their life was you know, falling apart or things were going less than ideal, you are so much more resourced and capable to show up for yourself when you're clear-headed. And Truth. it's painful sometimes because you're not used to dealing with those emotions that of, you know, failure, uncertainty, fear, whatever else was going through your head because those are really really intense emotions. Yeah. And yet, look how much more powerful and centered and grounded you are on the other side of that showing yourself that, "Hey, I'm Amy, I'm a badass. I can show up and feel through this stuff and make decisions and come out the other side so much stronger rather than you know, the less empowering message of, I can't do this. I need to escape. I need to get out of this feeling. I can't handle this. I need to dull it down or numb it. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, but you just chose a more empowering path. Yeah. And yeah, so well said. Yeah. And my moods have been more even mm-hmm. and I have been able to handle things that I know I would have probably fallen apart mm-hmm. in a much bigger way. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have those hangovers. Yeah. Yeah, which makes you even more capable the next day to deal with it. Like what happens when you have a shit day and you drink, the next day it's just amplified. And because your brain's a little fuzzy, you're that much less capable to dig yourself out of the hole. My brain would get so fuzzy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just this feeling of um, kind of like adolescent, it adolescent level confusion with what you're supposed to do. Like you're almost incapable of making empowered choices at that point. Yeah. You just stumble around Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. literally. Yeah. Just pat around your house. Like, Oh my God. Yeah. This is the worst. (laughs) It sucks. And you kind of become, you you just sit in victim mentality and Mm -hmm. we all know that's not very empowering, but we've all been there. I was there for a long time. And the level at which I sit in victim mentality now is very infrequent. And it's so weird to see, look at how, you know, I can think of, um, I don't mention these things in the book, but I think I call them parallel experiences, experiences where the past you reacted in one way, and then you're delivered a very similar experience. And the new you who's more resourced reacts in a different way. And I'll, I'll give a couple of examples. When I was, um, I don't know, 21, 22, I bought my first laptop computer. 
And the first day I get it out, my roommate spills a Corona on it. So yes. And it, I mean, thank God they were more resilient than they used to be, but it like ruined a little portion of the screen. And this is like, at this point, this is like a thousand dollar computer. It's the most expensive thing I've ever bought. And (laughs) it's hot pink, by the way, because, (laughs) you know, I thought I was being snazzy. And so there was always this little like crackle part of the screen. And every time I would look at it, I would just seethe and I'm like, it's ruined. And I let this eat at me for the whole time I had that laptop, like five or six years. And this is, you know, it's superficial stuff, but it really bothered the past version of me. Yeah. So fast forward to 2020, I buy my first laptop, my first Apple laptop for my business, which is also a significant investment. Mm -hmm. Well, one morning I get up and I'm holding like a giant um, Yeti cup or something of water because I want to hydrate first thing in the morning. Of course. I spill that whole sucker all over my laptop. It is fried. It is done. And I remember looking at it and thinking like, hmm, that happened. And it was the same thing, even worse, because my laptop was ruined at this point. It wasn't just a crackle on the screen. And I just was like, hmm, I'll I'll figure it out. And I thought of that at first, another version of me would have thought, why me? Why did this happen again? Or I'm so stupid. How did I spill water all over my laptop? Mind you, I did it again. I got a new laptop and I did it again two weeks later. I mean, this is it's comical. The what? universe was like, just want to show you how far you progressed. So I ruined two laptops spilling water on them. And both times I'm just like, thank I'm not God. I, this water I know. Down thank God I had insurance. But um, I was just like, oh, well, I'll figure it out. And it just went to show like how much I progressed that that no longer shook me up and no longer frustrated me and no longer left me like aggravated for days and days and years on end. And I can think of lots of experiences that I've had like that where I look back at a past version of me and I look how how much I was a victim, how much I felt like, woe is me, how did this happen to me? And I just kind of shut down or used it as an excuse to drink. And now I have these experiences that are very similar and I kind of just let them roll off my shoulders. And yeah, sure, I've matured and I'm, you know, but a lot of people would still freak out about those types of things. And I'm really proud of my ability to stand in them and think, I've got this, it's all good. Yeah. And do you think that any of that also has to do with maybe an evening out of your nervous system, Mm -hmm. taking that depressant out? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the things that I started to notice in my first 90 days, then six months, then year of being alcohol-free. And I guess I meant also to distinguish that from the mental part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That the level, I used to think that I was an anxious person. And while I do still have anxious moments, I stopped feeling frequently anxious and anxiety that felt insurmountable and uncontrollable. And, you know, back when I was sober curious and kind of, you know, it's a phrase for like you're trying out or you're you're wondering about an alcohol-free lifestyle, but you haven't committed to something very specific. I was dabbling in this, but I was also on a spiritual path. So I was starting to study with some of the spiritual teachers who are, you know, well-known in the space, Wayne Dyer, Gabby Bernstein, Marianne mm-hmm. Williamson. And I was adding all these tools to my toolbox to help me live a more peaceful and regulated life. And I was like, BS, none of these things work. But no one told me that you can't, it doesn't matter how many tools you add, if you are taking away 
by dysregulating yourself with alcohol or trying to self-soothe or shortcut, your nervous system can't catch up and make use of all of these amazing tools that you're using. So wow. it was like I was trying to yeah. do, do, do. And what I actually need to, needed to do, um, there's this great quote by James Clear that I use in the book a couple of times, is the ultimate form of optimization is elimination. Nothing is more effective than removing the ineffective. And so I was trying to optimize by adding things. And really what I needed to do was remove the most ineffective thing in my life, which was my relationship with alcohol. It was the thing that was keeping my me from, it wasn't the thing that was really emotionally dysregulating me, but it was keeping me from being able to emotionally regulate because I was shortcutting all the time. I was cheating. I was trying to bypass feeling emotions that were really important to my nervous system. And what happened is they would just boomerang back to me the next day. And so what I noticed as I stopped drinking and kept up those spiritual tools that I had already put in place, it wouldn't, you know, all of a sudden they started to work. <laughs> and, you know, I really didn't want that to be the solution. I really wanted, you know, um, to be able to have the best, best of both worlds. But once I started to feel like, oh, these tools that I have been really, really trying so hard at, really believing in, they actually work, but only if you are willing to use them as your full solution, not try to like shortcut solutions sometimes. And that mm -hmm. felt really good. It felt really empowering to feel just like grounded and peaceful and, and, you know, regulated all the time or able to, even if I got dysregulated or I got a little anxious or agitated to pull myself back on track quickly, because I'd never been able to do that in my life before. I would always end up going out for drinks and then probably ending up being like an emotional wreck by the end of the night because I was just that kind of drinker that even if I had a few then I started to get really emotional Cry and yeah the crying or yeah, yeah you know kind of just throwing a tantrum not like just being not my best I self I even imagine you like that. I know I, I know. so it, don't know that Amanda. Some, some of you have seen that though <laughs> like it it I don't even know her either and I'm so I'm so in awe that that used to be the way that I would show up. And I think that we all get to have a time like that in our lives and it's okay. There's nothing, I'm not embarrassed by it because I feel so tender for her that that was the solution that she thought was the right way. Yeah. And now I have a better solution and it feels so much better to show up as this version of myself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And um, when you look back, one of the interesting parts of your book I thought was the title of the chapter two was solid not liquid bonds mm -hmm. and um and I think then you know what you're talking about and what you've talked about in the book too was the surface level of a lot of your friendships mm -hmm. and your relationships and so I want to pivot a little bit and talk about like that yeah like because even when you're in those states feeling all those things like you're not relating to people mm -hmm. in the most deeper meaningful way no absolutely you're not relating not. to yourself I guess no because and you're then, being a different version of yourself mm -hmm. you're showing up with a mask on you're you're show ponying basically um when you drink but the the whole essence of that that piece of work is really inspired by you know my own fear that I would become a social outcast and a, and a recluse if I didn't have alcohol to kind of like light my social fire totally. and it is the number one biggest fear I have spreadsheet after spreadsheet of clients and students who I ask them you know what are you afraid of what's holding you back and it's that your friends will 
ignore you. They will disown you and that you'll have no friends. You won't be able to make new friends because of course you've already met everyone who you're possibly ever going to meet in your life. We have (laughs) these irrational stories that there's no one else. I already know everyone who I could possibly ever know (laughs) and that you will lose these friendships and that not only that, but there will be some sort of like reality TV level drama where you break up and they tell you how terrible and boring and awful you are. And the reality is, does that happen sometimes? Yeah. And that usually means that those friends weren't very good friends to start with if your drinking habits were the only things that were holding you together. Right. And I'm sure you saw some of that in your life that you had to renegotiate some of those relationships. Mm -hmm. And and, yeah, I have one friend leaps to mind too, that we've just had a long pattern of drinking and Mm -hmm. together. And you know what though, we do have more of a friendship than that, but it's still a little hard Mm -hmm. for her. I think when I don't, and I was with her not too long ago and she and her husband were having drinks and she was like, just have a sip, just have a sip. So I did. I was like, all right. And I just had a sip. You told me sips don't count. Mm -hmm. And so I just had a sip, but it seemed to satisfy her. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I was like, okay, like that's all it takes. That's all it takes. And I was fine with that. I could have said no. And she would have been fine with that. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I don't care that much. Yeah. Like, it's fine. Yeah. You know, I'm not ruining anything on my end. And, mm-hmm. um, But there definitely have been friendships that fell away. Mm-hmm. And, and from my perspective, too, I've looked at it like, gosh, it's a lot less to manage on my end. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, especially in my significant prime relationship, mm-hmm. which is Justin, like, Sometimes I'll have a moment where I'm like, gosh, I wish we could just enjoy a glass of wine together. And then I'll like sort of flash forward and I'm like, then I have to manage a drunk person. And I, mm-hmm. and I hate even using the word manage. That's my Al-Anon talking. But, but like that's how I feel in it because that's what I've done in the past. Yeah. And you have to worry about their behavior and manage it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I don't miss that. Yeah. And I mean, for me too, like I, you know, as someone who was a social and emotional drinker who is using alcohol to sometimes help me be brave to have conversations, especially yeah. in significant relate significant other relationships. Yeah. I look at how often I use that as a way to like build up the courage to have a tough conversation. And now I just do it. I just have the conversation and it feels so much more empowered to be able to just be brave and have a conversation with someone when before I thought that like I couldn't possibly be vulnerable with my partner. And now I'm having these conversations where you, where I'm connecting and actually, um, you know, sharing my, my emotions and my feelings and my needs and my boundaries with both romantic partners and friends. And before I was just showing up, however, I thought I was supposed to, to be liked, to be loved, to be the life of the party, to be fun. And the reality is, is that those pieces, most of those pieces are all within me. I just thought that I needed something else to bring them out and, and I don't, I can choose to be that on my own. It just requires a little bit of bravery and vulnerability. And when you get down to it, that's what connection is. It's, it's a vulnerability and the vulnerability that you get or the the liquid courage, you know, that you get through alcohol is fake. Mm -hmm. And so if you really want to connect with people, you have to be able to show up as your authentic self. And when I looked at all of the relationships I had forged as a drinker, most of them were superficial. Most of them were based on, you know, happy hours and boozy brunches and gossip and complaining and, you know, talking about reality TV. We didn't go very deep. And even though those people, you know, there's nothing, I, I'm still friends with a lot of the people who I hung out with in my drinking days, but not at the same level. So I don't go out and do those things anymore because for me, 
when I go out, um, you know, I have this um, piece of the, that chapter that you're talking about that says, if it's not fun without alcohol, it's probably just not fun. Yeah. And I realized that so many of the things that I was doing seemed and appeared to be fun because I was numbing my mind down to make them fun. And that included the people I was hanging out with and the conversations I was having with them and just the things we were doing in general. And when I took a step back from drinking, I tried to, I, you know, I did an experiment. I tried to keep doing those things. And what most people do is they'll make that mean that they don't want to go to the party or hang out or stay out late. They'll make that mean that they're not fun when in reality, it's just you are doing something that's not fun and it's no longer (laughs) stimulating when you're in your full brain power Mm -hmm. and that's okay too. And that doesn't mean the people who choose to do that are wrong or stupid or anything. It's just that you're more intelligent than that. And when faced with being in a situation where everyone else is kind of drinking to tolerate whatever you're doing and you're no longer drinking, it becomes not fun. And so you do have to find other things to do and other ways to connect with people. And I think that's the Um, we sometimes just lack the creativity to figure out how to do that. Yeah. Are you ready to up-level your pleasure practice? I have in mind, and the main things that have helped me are the tools that I've found from Wands. Wands creates luxurious products that encourage us all to honor our body, celebrate our sexuality, and live in pleasure with more pleasure all the time. One of my favorites, if you listen to this show, then you probably already know, is the cervix wand. Wands has trademarked their number one best-selling glass pleasure wand. It's for vaginal and anal de-armoring, and it's designed for cervical and G-spot stimulation. And let me tell you, it's incredible. It's helped thousands of women become more connected to their bodies and their pleasure and supports them to heal pelvic pain through self-yoni massage and helps awaken more pleasure. Just recently, I've ordered the Venus Wand, another trademarked wand from Wands, and it's designed to activate and awaken the G-spot and more. Also, don't miss one of their new offerings, which are free bleed blankets that can be used as waterproof intimacy blankets. They have a beautiful selection now available. But take a look around at wands.com, that's W-A-A-N-D-S, because they have a huge selection of incredible items like yoni eggs, crystal pleasure wands in amethyst, black obsidian, anything that your heart desires, and so much more. Check them out at wands.com. That's W-A-A-N-D-S dot com. And use my link in the show notes to get 10% off or simply enter my code, Amy Edwards, at checkout. Again, that's W-A-A-N-D-S, wands.com. Y'all, I have started using higher dose products and I am such a fan. You know, I don't put anything on this podcast that I am not 100% completely behind. And I have a special discount code for you for all higher dose products. I'm so excited. If you don't know, Higher Dose is a wellness company. They have wellness tech products, they have tools, they have supplements, and they have body care. They have so many things that are hot right now, too, that are really biohacking and up-leveling our lives at home, which is really cool. They have an infrared sauna blanket. They have an infrared PEMF mat that I'm so excited to be sharing about soon. One of my favorites, though, is the Red Light Face Mask. It stimulates collagen, it activates glowing skin, reduces fine lines, regenerates cells... 
and it's soft. It's not like one of the hard plastic ones. So you can kind of move it around on your body, which I've been doing, and I am seeing amazing results. I am absolutely addicted to it. I use it every single night, and I'm using it in conjunction with one of their other products, the Glow Serum. And I'm very picky about what I put on my skin, and I am loving the Glow Serum. It's specially formulated to plump and hydrate and stimulate radiant skin, which that's the goal. They have a ton of other products too, magnesium ingestibles, magnesium body care, which has a healing oil and a serotonin soap that you can use in your bath, which I've been using too. It boosts your mood, enhances your skin and deepens your detox, gets you calmed down. Anyway, I'm a fan. So I'm so excited to offer you 15% off using my code MAGIC15. Go to the show notes. You can click through on the link right there. Or if you go to Higher Dose, just enter the code MAGIC15 and you'll get 15% off. Higher Dose has been featured in Goop, Glamour, Elle, Vogue, Bizarre, Allure, basically you name it. And there's a reason why. So go check it out. It's at higherdose.com and enter my code MAGIC15 for 15% off. I mean, I have had to question myself, like, why would I stay out? It was mainly to keep drinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nothing productive was why happening. Why was I keeping drinking? Like, that's the part, like, it, uh, it, I associate it so, like, deeply with fun. Mm -hmm. But when I dissect it, I don't think it's that fun. Yeah. I mean, what is, you know, what we were doing for fun <laughs> was going out on the, the rowdy bar streets here. And when I go out there now, I think... It's so loud. I'm going to sound like a granny, but it's so loud. It's expensive. Like, it's expensive. I can't hear to have a conversation. <laughs> so it's not fun. It's just like you're diluting all of your senses to where you have less of a, con a concept of what's going on around you. Yeah. And you're just kind of going on a trip. And to me, fun is when you're actually like laughing and enjoying something wholeheartedly. And I thought that I was doing that, but then from an outside perspective, now that I'm, you know, several years alcohol free and have experienced what really is fun to me, it's not the same things anymore. If you were going to do something really wild, mm -hmm. what would that be? Oh my gosh. <laughs> really wild. Yeah. Um, like what's wild in your book, like that you would do? Yeah. I mean, I think something, anything spontaneous. Well, I'll, I'll actually have a really great example. So I'm, I have the desire to be an outgoing, like, um, performative type not performative but like a performer like I've always oh. wanted to be on stage like I was in dance class when I was little but there's something that I feel very shy about doing that when okay. I'm on my own and so alcohol was always the thing that gave me the liquid courage to do that so mm -hmm. if I was going to go out and dance or you know be the center of attention alcohol was the thing that allowed me to do that and this past Halloween um, I got invited to a costume party kind of late notice like that day. Mm -hmm. And I have from my drinking days, a box of random costumes that I, I was like, I'll piece something together. Sure. And on the top of that box is this red, um, like spandex jumpsuit that I had purchased so I could be Britney Spears from Oops, I Did It Again. Sounds amazing. And I'm like, I love Britney Spears, by the way. Rest her, like, bless her heart. Not I was rest her soul. Rest no, her she's, soul. Wait, she's what still happened? with us, but not sometimes <laughs> mentally. Um, so bless her heart. She needs some help. I'm if anyone knows Britney's people, give her my give them my number. But you think I, she's drinking? I think that. Well, I don't. I don't think she's drinking necessarily. I think she just needs a life coach for sure. She yeah. needs somebody to advocate for her. I think yeah. that she is. She is not. She's not who she is, and or she's who she's supposed to be. On. Yeah, she's got a lot going on. So yeah, okay, say so Britney. Anyway, red, but red jumpsuit. Really, really admire Britney Spears. So I'm gonna like 
as a performer at least. And I'm going to dress up in this red jumpsuit. So I, and I, when I do a costume, I go all out. So I like do my hair, I do my makeup. I like zoom in on videos from 1999 to get my makeup right. And I go to this party and every, you know, everyone is kind of in the age that would recognize that for the most part. They're like, oh my God, are you Britney Spears? I'm like, well, yes, thank you for noticing. And we're getting ready to leave because we want to go home early. You know, Mm -hmm. we're, we don't want to stay and party all night. And the host stops and is like, wait a second, we're getting ready to start the costume contest. Like you have to enter. And I just kind of pause for a second. I'm like, what? You, I enter the costume contest? And I'm like, no, 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 no. And then I saw people lining up who were going to enter. And I look at their costumes and no judgment, but I'm like, damn, I worked hard on this costume, like to make it authentic. I'm going to enter the contest. And (laughs) so here's me, someone who's Mm -hmm. actually quite shy. Um, they start the contest and I just go full. I'm, I'm like, you don't just walk across the stage and parade your costume. You got to go into the character. So I'm like, I'll now be a Britney Spears impersonator. (laughs) And so I just do it. I like go all in. They play some music for you. They don't play the music, but I like do the choreography that I remember. And, um, and so I walk across the stage. I'm like, Oh, thank God that's done. (sighs) And then they say, well, Hey, now we have our finalists. Um, and I'm one of of which yes, I am one of yes. them, of course. And so this time they do have a DJ. So I go up and tell him to cue up my music. And I like full on again, performs Britney Spears. And I'm just thinking on what planet does sober Amanda do this on what planet? And I won the costume contest, yeah. by the way, um, I got two <laughs> packages of premium beef jerky. <laughs> Surprise! But I think the lightest thing was, whoa, that was such a fun moment where like, that was like very wild and spontaneous, super out of my comfort zone. And I just owned this part of me that I used to think that I needed alcohol to bring out. And it was just a really fun, exciting, silly moment. And it's things like that, that I am able to prove to myself, I don't need alcohol to have fun, be fun, be outgoing. Um, I I just don't. And now that, that experience is maybe a diamond, like, yeah. you know, one out of a million, but um, it just proved to me that I don't need it anymore. And I think that so often we get, you know, we think that we need it to connect with others, to, you know, loosen up, to have sex with our partner, to flirt with someone, to make new friends in a place that we've never been before, to relax on vacation. Like there's all of these lies that we tell ourselves in real, in reality, we can do all of those things. We just haven't practiced. We haven't given ourselves the chance to practice. And I think Mm. that's what I want people to do is have this time where, if you're feeling called to change that relationship with alcohol, you give yourself a practice runway. Like what you did, 90 days is a really good practice runway to kind of have some life situations come up where you can test your muscles of, hey, how do I handle an emotional situation? How do I handle like my professional world kind of crumbling around me a little bit? How do I handle a fight with my partner or um, an emotional day at you know, with my kids or whatever it is, yeah. how can I handle that? And if you just take a little bitty break here and there, you don't ever really get to have that experience. And I think that we are all so much powerful. You know, the reason that I wrote this book is because I believe we're all so much powerful and capable than we give ourselves credit for and that we let ourselves try out. And you owe it to yourself just to try on what would it be like if I just showed up for myself? And I found that that's really powerful in my life. Me too. Yeah. And I love that you just said you just need practice. Like Mm -hmm. it is like it's a practice. Everything is a practice Mm -hmm. for me anyway, but Mm -hmm. just relating it to like, oh, just 
like I think the word practice loses some meaning somewhere along the way because it gets used so much. Yeah. But like everything is a practice, meaning that you have to do it a few times to get better at it mm-hmm. or to it's understand. Muscle memory. Yeah. And um, and I mean, I look at my kids and like I would, let's say, go somewhere with them, like a trip or something mm-hmm. like that. And you expect your kids to have a good time not drinking. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, the parents need a drink, yet I would need a drink. Like, yeah. And I started to just even notice like those things. And I'm like, why can't I go back to my original nature? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was not needing this. Yeah. And, you know, when I look at my kids, I'm like, yeah, they should be able to have a good time. And they do mm-hmm. have a good time without alcohol. And yet somewhere along the way, it shifted to where I think I need it. Mm-hmm. And associated those things so like hardcore in my head. Yeah. And so I just have to practice. Yeah. I, I think it's too, it's so unfortunate because yeah, like you see your kids and they're able to have this beautiful, like creative, expansive time without alcohol, but there comes a point in our lives, especially for women where we're told you have to shift and be an adult. Everything you do is for the purpose of A, B, or C. It has to be productive, you know, monetizable, whatever. You have to be an adult and we lose that like playfulness and joy. So we think that we need a shortcut to get back to it. Yeah. And really we just need to be brave and curious. And it's, uh, yes. And also then we're told like, when you get to this point, this is how you have fun now. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is, this is what we're all doing. It's special. We save it for age 21 or, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And so like anybody waits till then, but you know, yeah. So I think that we're maybe all brainwashed too, to think like, oh, now I have fun in this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like you trade in all of the things you used to think were fun for this other thing that actually is you know, I have one of my mentors who says that alcohol is like the least sophisticated drug there is. It And not that she's advocating for all of the other drugs, yeah. but like there's so my many. favorite though. Yeah. I mean, completely. Yeah. It, it just, it, it takes away our need to be creative and yeah. figure out fun for ourselves. And I get it because I, no shame towards anyone who drinks. I did it for a really long time. And I think it's a rite of passage. I am not the person who says, teach your kids not to drink. What You know, I think that the new generation coming in, you know, because you have kids in this age are, are kind of looking at alcohol as something a little more lowbrow and not exciting. Um, but I really don't know. Oh, we don't, I'm not I sure either. What like... are the kids these days doing? <laughs> um, ge- the new generations are, the yeah. younger generations are drinking a lot less. Like it's, it's yeah. statistically proven. And I also think that it's a rite of passage. And so I think that the part of me that was found, you know, myself um, or my coming of age story included alcohol. I think that's such an important part of my journey. And I think that, you know, it had to happen that way because I had to know what it was like to live that path in order to really realize how great the path is that I'm on now. It's just like this juxtaposition. That can apply to to so much. It absolutely does. And that's the Mm -hmm. way we give ourselves grace. Yeah. Yes, I was a blackout drunk, but Mm -hmm. boy, did I need to walk that path. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. In order to understand. Yeah. And think about like, Amy, if you were a moderate glass of wine here and there, which there's nothing wrong with, but that still would have been a different version of you than you are today. Yeah. If you would have just been a very moderate drinker your entire drinking career, nothing uh, profound enough might have happened for you to say, wait a second, this path kind of sucks. It feels like it's kind of eating mm-hmm. my soul. I think I should choose a different path. So I feel that people who are sober curious and are on this path are kind of like forcing themselves into an awakening. Like you have to be asleep so much that you realize you want to, you desire to be awake. And if you're just kind of on that moderate path, sometimes I don't think you 
experience the consequences and the depths of how bad it can be enough for you to make a change. Oh, totally. Mm -hmm. And even then I thought maybe, you know, Justin and I were together probably a year and a half and before Mm -hmm. I stopped. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Year and a half. And I still didn't do it much because he doesn't drink. Right. But, um, but I did once and he had to manage me Mm -hmm. and it was not good. Mm -hmm. I did. I was, I got mad and I pushed him in the face. Like, I, I mean, like, you know, like uh-huh. the dr- drama yep. and all that that you do. And I'm still embarrassed. Like, I still feel like I need to apologize for that. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, like, I thought I could handle it and, you know, be cool and all that. But no. Yeah. At the there end were of still the, consequences. Yeah. I at the end of the point. day, I, I wanted to. I so bad wanted to be a moderate drinker when I first started out on this path. And the more that I... You know, I'm not sure if I shared this on the last um, episode that we did together, but I remember I was, you know, this was a really profound moment. I was maybe 90 plus days into my alcohol-free journey. I'm in my shower. I'm listening to a podcast. And I remember having this moment where the, it's like the podcast episode morphed into something. I had like this out-of-body experience where I heard what was being said, but what I heard in my ear was something different. And it said, Amanda, I see you doing big things in this life, but I can't see you doing them with alcohol in the picture. Mm -hmm. And whoa, I heard that, Amy. I heard it. And it felt so true. It felt like, yeah, I am meant to do something bigger. I don't know what that is quite yet, um, but I believe it so profoundly. And I believe that voice, like I fell to the floor in my shower and was just kind of sobbing because it felt so empowering that like, hey, now that this is out of the way, you are about to do something really massive. And I think, you know, writing this book and the path that I'm on right now is part of that. And who knows what is even beyond that? Like right now, this feels really massive. And I think that there's still more to see and achieve. And I know that I would have never had the creative capacity, the um, the ambition, the, you know, any of the things that I needed to unlock that level of my potential if I wouldn't have quit drinking. And I just look at that as, wow, that was such a special gift that I had that insight to do something that's kind of bold and edgy. Yeah, you mm-hmm. did. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, it's taking a leap mm-hmm. because yeah. you didn't even know what the outcome was going to be, mm-hmm. nope. except that you heard a voice. Yeah. And it, it was very vague. You're meant to do something big in this life. Thanks. What does that mean? <laughs> you know, I just had to trust because it felt so true. Mm. And I think that so many of the people who come to this curiosity, this realization, they're feeling that too. I think that there's a really big connection between spiritual awakenings and sober curiosity. And we have this yearning for something more, this yearning to be more connected, this yearning to be more fulfilled, and this yearning to find our passion and our purpose. And if you're always kind of diluting yourself and dulling back your sparkle, how are you going to do that? Like, yeah. yeah, I think we're ambitious people. We both probably would have figured it out, but I know that I figured it out a hell of a lot faster and with more ease without being drunk and hungover half the time. And I think that alcohol for me is like this relationship almost that I like romanticize. Mm-hmm. Like I think I look back on it and think of it a tad bit differently mm-hmm. than those hangovers. Yeah. And then that drama yeah. and then and the expense and just the all the other stuff that goes with it. And yeah. I just I see that just that sliver of the good. Mm-hmm. I think that we all do that a little bit. You know, I talk about um, alcohol as your your toxic ex that it really you, that's exactly what I mean too. Right? like and you just see the oh, that one time that we that he brought me flowers and we got in bed you know you mm-hmm. forget that 
like the the way he ghosted you afterward and whatever yeah, all the exactly you forget all of the other times and you just want that that good feeling back but the reality is is there's good and bad um with any relationship and at least in a human relationship a, a decent or great one the you and the other person are doing work in a relationship with alcohol alcohol ain't going to therapy it's just mm -hmm. it's there you know disrupting That's things right. and you can work on yourself all you want but that other piece of the relationship is bringing nothing to the table right and dulling your shine, yes. just like you were saying earlier, yep. which really it does because yes. you get sort of wrapped up in it. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, relatable mm -hmm. to this. And so um, let's get into that because yeah. that's a lot what your book is about, mm -hmm. is about finding that shine. Yeah. And um, and the, I, I like that quote, the elimination quote. Mm -hmm. That's interesting yeah. to yeah. me because I don't know where I fall on that exactly because I'm so into habits and stuff. But... I, I do agree to an extent for sure, you yeah. know, and like, I do feel like I'm able to access some things about myself mm -hmm. living this. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say the quote again. It's the ultimate form of optimization is elimination. Nothing is more effective than removing the ineffective. And, you know, James Clear, Oof. he's, he's yeah. the author of Atomic Habits. So yeah. He's all about habits. He's all about adding yeah. optimal habits to your life. But at the end of the day, it's, you can only do, do, do so much and hustle so much if you have something that's um, making the scales uneven. And it is, you know, so many of the people who I work with and, and support are incredibly high achievers. They, you know, are kicking ass in their career. They have the, you know, the money, the white picket fence, the partner, the kid, the whatever it is that is checking the boxes for you. And yet they feel unfulfilled. They feel like something is missing. They feel like something is dull and lacking. And they've been doing all the things. They can't imagine doing one more thing because they're about at burnout. And what they are failing to see is what if you're just tethering yourself to the ground, like tethering right. yourself to mediocre. And I think that that is, I think that alcohol is one of the most mediocre habits that we can have. It makes you, it's so, it's so normal lies that normal becomes average. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that most of the people listening here are meant to be average. I think that you're meant to Agreed. be your most mystical, magical, wonderful, shiny, bright, amazing self. And you can't do that with alcohol always doling you down, always, if you're always focusing on when am I going to drink? How much am I going to drink? What am I going to do if I drink too much? How am I going to survive this hangover, recover from, you know, for me, even drinking a glass of wine at the very end would give me a hangover. I was super sensitive to it. And I'm like, this isn't worth it. Like I, I don't drink I ginger ale good. at the end of the night now. Yeah. yeah. Ginger ale. Yeah. I, I, and I had a hangover mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, this isn't even, it's the sugar. It's, yeah. yeah. It's all the things. Yeah. It's just not great for us. <laughs> I was pissed the yeah. last time I did that. And oh, I was yeah. like, damn it. Yep. Um, I mean, it kind of <clears throat> applies to any altering substance, really, mm -hmm. I feel like. Yeah. You know, like anything that we're counting on. Yeah. Or looking outside ourselves for something. Mm -hmm. I mean, Absolutely. it really does. We're tethering to. Yeah. yeah. But I like that analogy, too, of tethering, like, we're trying to fly higher, but you're actually like, hold, you've got this rope. Yeah. Like attached you to, yeah. to the place that you're mm -hmm. at. And, you know, I think that we are all meant to achieve whatever potential is meant for us in life. If that means, you know, doing something really grand in your career or just mm -hmm. finding your calling and really feeling fulfilled and at ease with your life or just feeling the most connected as possible to the people around you. Like potential could mean it's not just like hustle hard, you know, be a badass. It is what does it feel like to be fulfilled, the most actualized version of yourself. And I think that so many people get attached to, well, I should 
just be happy with good enough or I've achieved so much. Like, obviously, Mm -hmm. I'm doing pretty great. And that was me. Like, I was climbing the corporate ladder. I had a good job. I had a, you know, healthy lifestyle otherwise. I had great friends, da-da-da-da-da. And yet I felt like I wasn't, like, the thing that I wanted was, like, out here. And I couldn't quite grasp it because I was being pulled back. And when I decided to quit drinking, it was, like, almost like a slingshot. Like, I'd been pulled back, pulled back, pulled back. And then I was just off. And everything that I wanted, everything that I desired, be it from my own emotional well-being and spiritual connection to my professional success, started to like be magnetized to me almost. Um, Anything that I would have associated with fulfilling my potential just started to come to me with ease. And I'm like, dang, I think I'm onto something here because I was trying really hard and it felt like, you know, you're on like a treadmill and it feels like you're going somewhere, but really you're kind of just staying in place. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, all the things that felt just out of grasp were mine to have. And that felt really good and really powerful. So why would I want to go back to yeah. the past life that I had? Or How long did that take? I think for it to start to get momentum, I started to see those things probably within nine to 12 months. And remember, I did have a lot of spiritual practices mm-hmm. already in place that were kind of like kind of trudging along. So it just amplified those existing things that were already in place. And then, you know, within, I said, I've been alcohol free six and a half years. And from that point in time, I have quit my corporate job, started my own business, gotten a book deal, launching a book. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, those are the obvious things that you can see. What you can't see are how much happier I am, how much more at peace I am, how much better I deal with adversity and struggle and strife in my life, how much more spiritually connected and tuned in I am, how much um, better my romantic relationships are and how much more quality romantic partners I'm attracting and more quality um, and not the people are like quality but like more uh, just connected and um, reciprocal relationships I'm getting in my life altogether that's what you don't see you don't see how much I don't freak out anymore when I go home to deal with family right. drama right. you know those are the behind the scenes things that I feel so viscerally that only make it even more powerful and they're just like little building things that have happened um, over that six-year period. But I think that really I started to notice it within the nine-month to a year mark. Mm-hmm. That it, That's why I didn't go back on, you know, drinking again because I'm like, wow, there's, there's something special here. I feel really good. I think that's really important to point out the behind-the-scenes stuff mm-hmm. too. You know, all the, the things that start to just feel better. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think, the, been the biggest thing for me mm-hmm. is that, all those things feel better. Yeah. I'm able to handle stress in our relationship better. Mm-hmm. He and I have a better relationship. My relationship with my kids feels more mm-hmm. even or when they're they're teenagers. Yeah. You know, when they're acting a certain However way. However they can be. As good know, as they can be. A certain way, we'll call it. Yeah, but I'll, I think I'm able to handle it more evenly and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, take stock of where they are in their life and where they, I am in mine. And so the professional part has stymied me a little because mm-hmm. I think I was a, caught up in some expectations like well Amanda said everything's gonna happen yeah you know like it's like when I created my courses I was like well everybody says you just create courses and then you're basically a millionaire yeah and that did not happen yeah and um that's because hashtag marketing people are really good marketers (laughs) right they're selling a course about making a course Mm -hmm. um so but you know it was like those things have taken they just disorganized and reorganized in a Mm -hmm. way that I didn't expect but at the same time I'm just trying to like really have patience and 
focus on those bigger picture items mm-hmm. because at the end of the day and by the day I mean our life yeah those are the things that we really feel good about yeah. you know those are the things that are fulfilling us mm-hmm. not like that you won an award at work or that yeah, you, you made a million dollars or whatever that's that great 100,000 followers yeah or whatever it is you know so um so I'm trying to just stay really focused on that because I am actually happier than I've ever been yeah you know, that's powerful, so, but uh, yes, it is. And I know that I have more room to even expand and grow mm-hmm. and it is powerful, but that part of it, I think is a big direct benefit mm-hmm. of letting alcohol go out of my life. Yeah. And I think that, you know, in, when it comes to professional success, I work a lot with women who are ready to kind of take that leap into finding their passion and their purpose because so Often what we do is get, you know, pigeonholed in a place where we pick a career because it's monetizable or because we're told we're good at it or it has good benefits or a great ladder trajectory. And when you stop focusing on the bullshit of life, which is kind of what you do when you stop drinking, you realize that maybe you're not so happy with that and not so able to just like hustle and grind because you are no longer numbing yourself. I think the reason I was able to show up and just like zombie through so often is because I had that like little bit of me that was consistently like yeah. kind of numb. And now without that, it, you know, I want to rest when I want to rest. Yeah. And I I want to focus on things that are important versus on like the superficial things that I might've accepted before. And so it has, it definitely has taken longer than I want in some places when I get impatient and I think that that's across the board, like, yeah, you get impatient because you want this like snap unicorns, doves, rainbows, magnificence. <laughs> and yet I think it's still happening a lot faster than the trajectory I was on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And like, if we had a little crystal ball where we could look yeah. at like our, like you your know. sliding doors, like yes. two different lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I look at that life and I can see, Intuitively, I don't think that that was going to be the move. Yeah, exactly. I don't think so either. Yeah. And I don't think that I would have the relationship fulfillment and the sexual fulfillment because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure those coincide. Oh, yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. That's been, do you, t- I don't think you talk about I talk about that. sex a little bit yeah. in um, sex and romantic relationships. Yeah. I kind of, you just interviewed my friend Tawny and she's right. like so much more an expert in that space. But I will tell you that like alcohol is just disconnects you from all of those things. It disconnects you from vulnerability. It literally numbs your senses. So how mm-hmm. could sex be as enjoyable when you're drinking if half yeah. your, your senses are numbed and it is more vulnerable and scary to have initiate and participate in vulnerable connection with someone when you're not drinking, but so much more powerful. You know, I, I was someone who didn't start drinking or I didn't start dating until kind of after high school. I was just like ugly duckling, not someone who came into my own. Oh yeah. Didn't come into my own until college. And so pretty much every single romantic experience I ever had was like sponsored by alcohol. And (laughs) I remember being, you know, 31 years old and realizing, oh shit, I have to go on dates and have sex without alcohol. Like, do I know what I'm doing? And the answer was not at first, but I figured it out a lot faster and felt a lot more comfortable with it. Exactly. What's the muscle practice? And Uh then it felt so much more badass than, than when I was cheating before. Yeah. Cheating, meaning, you know, using something outside yourself right yeah, exactly yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah i'm like i'm just coming at this full full me and 
you know, that's, that's who I am. And I, I just feel so much more powerful and grounded and sure-footed with everything that I do. Beautiful. Yeah. When you look back at this book, what's your favorite? Do you have a favorite part? Do you have a favorite thing <sighs> about it? What's, uh, what's just something that you're like, oh, that? You know, I think that in when you write a book, you get to tell like a lot of your story, which is really therapeutic and nice and um, emotional. And I would have thought early on that that was the piece that was really wonderful. And a couple of weeks ago, I got to go in the studio and do the audiobook recording. Yeah. And the woman who was my um, my director for that um, stopped me afterwards and she said, you know, Amanda, what I think was so special about your book, just besides the message and all the people you're going to help is the moment that you got really vulnerable and got really emotional, you weren't telling your story. You were talking about the hope that you have for your reader and the belief that you have for them. Mm -hmm. And there were several moments where I'm, you know, talking to that person who I know is going to be listening to the book and talking directly to them about my hope for them and how I know that they are meant for so much more. And, you know, I can't like call up a specific line, but there were, those were the moments that I started crying in my audiobook reading. And I thought, you know, that's so, so special. I'm not crying for myself. I'm crying for the hope that I have for other people. And I just think that that is really something I'm proud of because my job as a coach and as a teacher is to hold the vision for you so powerfully that until you can hold it for yourself, at least you have one person, maybe we've never even met, but there's one person who believes in you so genuinely that they like did the journey to write a whole ass book <laughs> to tell you about what they believe for you. And I just really hope that that comes through in what I've written and what I've spoken in the audiobook. And I think it does. I think so too. Yeah. And you didn't just do the journey to write the book you yeah. live it yeah you live it mm -hmm. and so you know from your heart the potential mm -hmm. that is there yeah and so you know that's the bigger picture that's why you can feel it so hard mm -hmm. you know yeah. feel it so um, powerfully yeah I guess is yeah I know what it's like to be on <clears throat> both sides of the coin mm -hmm. and I I just know that anyone who's listening to this that is feeling kind of curious or intrigued or skeptical even that if you made it this far in the recording you're listening still that there's you're doing it for a reason yeah and it's because there's something on your heart and even if there's like chatter from that little like ego voice in the back of your head that's trying to talk you out of it that anytime you have a dream on your heart or a vision for what your life could be like it's there for a reason and it's there to be explored mm -hmm. and expressed and I wrote this book as a permission slip to people who feel hesitant and need someone to kind of like give them a little nudge in the right direction. And I hope that that's what this book does. I think it will. Yeah. I mean, it could not be more timely. Yes. You know, this is a thing right now. Mm -hmm. We're moving in this direction, mm -hmm. generally totally. speaking. Yeah. You know, I know I've had moments where I'm like, am I just being trendy? You know, but um, I don't think so. Yeah. There's, it's legitimately a good trend, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? And, and I mean, just let's point out that, one of the things I talk about on this show so much is getting out of your comfort zone because that's mm -hmm. where our growth is. Mm -hmm. And when I reframed this to go, oh, this is way outside my comfort zone. Yeah. Like Holy. having sex without alcohol uh -huh. was yeah. way outside my comfort so zone. Dating or mm -hmm. even just advocating for myself in those moments where I'm like, no, I'm good. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you don't. Setting a boundary. Yeah. Yep. Way outside. Oh, so much. Yeah. And that is... Think of all the power, how much more powerful you feel when you've like add up all those moments that you've taken a step out of yeah. your comfort zone. Like that's badass uh, and yeah. you're reaping the benefits of it. 
navigating my 50th birthday sober. Yes, which was so fun. That was a big one. And I mean, yeah. I had a moment the other day where I was like, maybe I'll just I'll have a sober decade. Yeah. Like, I mean, I haven't done that since zero to 10, I guess. You know? <laughs> hey, and I'm sure you had a lot of fun zero to 10. So why not? I guess, I guess. What I remember, it seems like I did. Yeah. So. I mean, uh-huh. I'm, I'm closer. I'm closer to it than further away. So, yeah. and yeah. I think it's, I just, I can't say how much I just appreciate the choice that I made for myself because everything, yeah. everything feels better. Yeah, it does. And, you know, one of the things that you, it's, it's been interesting too, because, you know, I've pointed out a few things just from my own experience mm-hmm. and you know, too, I've talked yeah. to you about it, but just of times when I've wanted to, mm-hmm. or something like that, or might have a setback. And I know you have something in your book about navigating some mm-hmm. setbacks. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Oh just yeah. For a minute? Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. there are, I think that you, the unique thing to keep in mind is that setbacks have just as much potential to happen on happy days as they do on gray days. And that's the, we can have just as much discomfort with our ability to feel happiness and joy and be in those like high vibe moments as we do with navigating the low vibe moments. So the the biggest thing I would say for anyone to look out for is regulating yourself across the board, because I will tell you the times that I've been the most uncomfortable are the times when I really spiked and it's been like a really on top of the world day. And then all of a sudden it's kind of like the rock star effect, right? Like you go on the show or on stage and everyone's cheering for you. Then you're back in your hotel room. And that's why so many rock stars are using drugs, alcohol, whatever to come down because it's like the juxtaposition of happiness and then mundane everyday life. Yeah, yes, exactly. Like that's hard to handle. And so that's like a happy reason, happy reason why we drink. But then those moments where it's hard, you're, boyfriend broke up with you you lost your job you just you know had a shit day or just felt really stressed out and you feel like you deserve this I think that some of the things that we have to remember in those moments are you chose this path for a reason and you are more capable than you give yourself credit for Mm -hmm. and that instead of just opting out of the human experience if you can just give yourself a little bit of time I offer a lot of tools for emotional regulation that are so simple you don't want them to work you don't. You want it to be harder than that. And <laughs> I get it because there are moments when I, you know, turn to the tools that aren't very helpful too, which are like scrolling on my phone or eating or, you know, whatever else, other types of escapism. But if I actually use the tools that I have, like, you know, I talk a lot about journaling and different journaling exercises and ways in which you can experience your emotion and let those emotions be present. And if we start to lean into our ability to do that, it becomes less foreign. It's again, flexing a muscle, practicing, you know, and Mm -hmm. once you practice enough, it becomes a little more second nature to where when the shit hits the fan, you are able to call up these tools and say, okay, wait a second. I've got this. I know what to do. Is it as easy as having a drink to check out? No, but it's more effective. That's for sure. And it actually deals with the problem at hand versus just kind of minimizing it for a couple of hours just for it to like we've all experienced boomerang back the next day yeah you have enough experience to know oh oh yeah this is how it works yeah this is how I feel yep this one it passes yeah you know just like everything does Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the good the bad the whatever absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah and it's you know I again I lay out so many techniques that you can use to really work through these times when you're having when you're having what I call gray days, Uh but it is really just about showing up for yourself and, and sitting in your self-worth that you are worthy of feeling the feelings that come up. You're worthy and capable of navigating the things that are thrown at you in life. 
Um, and we all are, but we just lose track of that ability because people tell us lies that we're not or that we deserve a shortcut. And yeah, shortcuts fine every or now that, and then. Or that it's not normal. People, yeah. you know, like we're, we get fooled into thinking that that's not part of the human experience. Yeah, that sadness is boring or, you know, is wrong in some way yeah. and it's not it's or you can you can get out of that like it's like nah it's part of it yeah you know? yeah if you want to show up and experience life then you've got to take the good with the bad that's right and the bad becomes so much more manageable when you practice managing it mm-hmm. again to yeah. the practice mm-hmm. i like thinking of it as a practice mm-hmm. rather than because you know you're talking about cutting it out yeah you know um and for me, it's just way more manageable mm-hmm. to think of it as a practice. Like mm-hmm. oh, I'm okay right now. Yeah. Yeah. Can I? <laughs> can I wait? You know, one yeah. of the one of the um, tools I give is called wait. And it's what mm-hmm. am I thinking? But it also is paired with I want you to wait for 30 minutes before you take any action. If you're feeling impulsive, you're feeling the want to check out, just wait. Wait and see what happens. And go journal. Go meditate. Go use one of the other tools that I offer you, and see if you feel a little better. And so often we do. But again, we don't want it to be that simple. We want to give right. ourselves a right. hard a hard path. And it can. It can be simple. And it's just not as glamorous and glamorized as drinking. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And um, I know I forget that things can be so simple sometimes. And I overcomplicate them and get all up in my head. And um, it's been good for me to find really simple ways. Like, yeah. just wait. Just, yeah. just hang on a sec. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for God's sake, like go outside and put your feet in the grass. Like that is, you know, I have a really close girlfriend and I still have days where I forget my stupid, simple tools and I'll be telling her something. That's encouraging though. Oh, all the time. Because they're so, it's so easy to get get in your own way. Yes. And she's like, have you been outside? No, I haven't. (laughs) You know, I've been staring at my phone and scrolling on TikTok, which is fine. And also it's just not going to help you that much. So go out, stand in the sunshine, put your feet in the grass. Like drink some water. These aren't, these aren't inaccessible, (laughs) difficult, expensive things. And yet even the most, I feel very practiced, I'll resist it and like conveniently forget. I could go get some sunshine. And yet those are the things that really help us at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. I always Mm -hmm. feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, what's developed for you since doing this book? Like, how do you feel? Has it been cathartic? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. You know, there's, of course, the part that's like self-judgment. That's like, I should have put this in there, da da da, da. You know, that I, I run all the things that I could have said or done differently. But at the at the end of the process, you know, I just, like I said, I did the audio reading and I went through and I'm like, damn, you did a good job, sis. You did a good oh, job. Yeah. And it is, it's cathartic and it's just coming to, I think, reading it full through. Mm-hmm. You know, I read it obviously to edit and make sure everything's in place, but reading it front to end felt like, whoa, this is this is it. I did something. So I kind of find, I feel like the therapeutic process that was really the hard part of it, which is the writing and being frustrated and putting it together and editing and the less glamorous parts that are still really important have finally come to, it's like all the things that I did behind the scenes are finally coming to this beautiful place where I'm sharing it. And that's the really cool part is that I'm getting to see it come out into the world and help people. And so everything that I did to which parts of it were very fun and very exciting, but everything that I struggled through to create it and bring it into the world is now like, oh, this is so tangible now. So yeah, yeah. I think that is cathartic. What lessons are you getting right now? Ooh, oh, good question. So many good lessons. Um, you know, 
very, very trite, but like trusting the process and knowing that everything is happening and working out Tell me how it's supposed it. to, okay. right? <laughs> yes. Being patient. And I think that I can relate the, to all these. The being patient part is also knowing that everything, the that there are going to be a lot of unexpected twists and turns or things that feel like I want to throw, not throw in the towel, but like squeeze and like manipulate things to make them go my way and so there have been people who I've hired to help me that haven't you know shown up exactly how I wanted or things that I've invested in or things that you know I wish would have happened differently and in those moments I see this past part of me who wants to come out and kind of be like a tiger and attack and I think that the thing that I'm proud of is I've been able to you know I advocate for myself and I have boundaries but I've been able to stop and say I don't think that's the real me I think that's a part of me that's like expecting chaos and uh-huh. um trying to optimize for chaos like it's like the very dramatic reality tv part mm. that we're kind of taught to glamorize and I always pause and I'm like can I just sit with this and envision a positive outcome happening envision myself handling this situation with patience and ease and grace and being trusting that it's all going to work out and every time I've done that I've learned a tremendous lesson and something has come to the surface that's really surprised me and delighted me and if I would have done the other thing which is like give someone a piece of my mind which again sometimes it's necessary to do that but these were more senses of a very adolescent part that wanted to come out and like if you're watching the video I'm like doing like tiger claws right now like that's how I felt like I want to come out and like claw at someone and every time that I've taken a step back and just been patient which again is a skill that I've learned through being alcohol free Mm -hmm. something has surprised me and that is really cool and also really humbling because the yeah. other part of you that wants to be the tiger has to realize hey well look what look what happened now that you were patient yeah and it's just a very adult moment it is it's very yeah. like regulated mm-hmm. rather than that satisfying urge to tell somebody off and all that kind of stuff yeah 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 I do it too mm-hmm. I do it too I've noticed the same thing yeah and it's 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 humbling in a really happy way to see yeah. things actually work out better because you didn't throw a hissy fit or go like real housewives on yeah. someone. <laughs> Yank the tablecloth yep, off and exactly. all the drama. No, I agree. I agree. And you know what? You, you just feel better about yourself. Yes. Yep. Like totally. And I do. And I know that I made a, there's a couple of situations specifically that I can think of that if I would have gone down path A, and I used to have this um, quote in my kitchen that our days are happier when we give people, when we give others a bit of our heart instead of a piece of our mind. Oh, and, oh that's so good. Yeah. So it's, it's, that's not verbatim, but you get the gist of it. And there are times when I look, if I would have done the give them a piece of my mind, how things would have turned out and how much better they were because I chose to give them a piece of my heart. And I just am really proud of that and have had better results also and created better relationships and that's what matters at the end of the day. Does alcohol take you out of your heart? Yeah. I mean, I, I am, I'm a very, I'm very good at being, um, sarcastic or very, like I can have a sharp tongue if I need to. Uh Um, and I think that drinking brought that out. It made me so much more impatient. And so I didn't have the wherewithal to do anything other than give people a piece of my mind. And I wasn't doing this all the time, you but were good at it. Yeah, I was good at you it. Practiced. It was kind of like, Ooh, I'm like, <laughs> yes, reality TV drama level here. Mm-hmm. And there was something exhilarating about it, but it's also kind of low brow. Like anyone can do that. It's like mm-hmm. anyone, you know, it, it just, it felt 
not sophisticated. And now the way in which I choose to handle it isn't as glamorous and there's so much more behind the scenes, but the results are so much better. The results are better. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ooh, yeah. I, I am. I don't think I really was relating those two things, but you know, it's funny how alcohol can make you almost like have those big dramatic emotional moments, but maybe you're actually out of touch with your heart and your real emotions. I was just kind of unenlightened, you know? Yeah. And now I'm, I'm not saying like I'm an unlightened holy master by any means because I'm still very, very human. Um, but I have more enlightened moments because I'm not escaping through alcohol. Yeah, you do. Oh, I think you do. Yeah. I mean, I bounced something off you not too long ago and I was feeling kind of fiery, fiery about it. And you just had such an even balanced look at it that I I completely changed my mind. You did. I know. I actually thought you were going to go a different way with that decision. And you did this complete 180. Like, wow, Amy, look at you. I know. And I was like, wow. And I came in and told Justin, he was like, huh? Yeah. I was like, I know. Isn't this crazy? And see this other possibility. Yeah. I know. It was a real surprise. Yeah. And and it feels good to do that. It feels good. It does feel good. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, what did you want to talk about today that maybe we didn't get to? Oh, wow. We covered so much ground. I don't even know. I'm glad you feel like we did. I know. I, I think feel we, like we did too. I think we got to so much. I yeah. like. I will defer to you if you have anything else that you want to wrap up with. But I feel you know, so grateful just to have had this conversation and kind of gone all over the Me map. Me too. Me too. Maybe I was trying to think about, you know, once we unbottle our potential, mm-hmm. like what's next? Yeah. Well, the thing that actually came up when you were mentioning that situation before that we had Uh, kind of a side mm -hmm. conversation on is that I am so much more intuitive. That was my intuition speaking, that like my inner wisdom when we were having that conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think that everyone can tap into that. We all are very intuitive beings. And I think that the people who listen to a podcast like this probably rank a little higher on that intuitive scale. And I think that the cool thing is that sometimes things just come through me that I didn't expect and that I didn't have access to before. And that is being in touch with my intuition and being able to speak through it and also not feel like a weirdo is no a really a cool part of being, yes. you know, in my full mind. Agreed. Mm-hmm. My intuition is like really pretty strong mm-hmm. and I'm actually getting better at listening to yeah. it. It's so funny too. Uh, Justin was just going to take a trip and he was talking about some other people, whatever. And they were going to maybe split a house, whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, somebody was in on that, but he was going to call that person and see if they wanted in the house. And just immediately I was like, and I should have said it out loud, mm-hmm. but I was like, um, I could see that person. They're going to want their own room, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just, I just knew. And then today that is what happened. And yeah, I was like, like, oh, that's <sighs> funny. Yeah. And it's just, um, it, it's again, a practice too, of listening to it. But mm-hmm. it, I really think that Cutting out alcohol does take away that numbing thing, and I'm Mm -hmm. way, way more in touch with it just to know little things off the bat. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, and it feels really cool. It's just I, I can't, I can't speak enough about how much more of me I feel like. Do you have little ways that you test it? And the reason I'm asking is because I have a little way that I test it. Like I've started to test it all the time. Okay, so we tell me your way. I don't know if it's intuition, but it's like something. uh, I play the wordle. Oh, okay. Do you okay. play the wordle? I don't, but I know, I know, I know about the wordle. Yeah. yeah. Well, I play the wordle, but sometimes I'll just sit and stare at the letters, you know, and just see what comes up. Mm-hmm. And like, I'll guess it 
like in two, like really fast. Uh And like, I'm like, wow, that's funny. Like I'll get so close and Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, and I think it's just like that intuitive thing. Like we have a lot more, well, if time isn't even real, like, you know, we can tap into a lot of different things if we'll just try and exercise Mm -hmm. that muscle. Mm -hmm. And like get more in touch with listening to it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that one. I, yeah, I think that like <laughs> it transcends, it transcends uh, intelligence though, because right, like we're trying to use our intelligence to get out the combination of the letters, but you're using something different. It's like you're viewing it through a different lens. Yeah, I am. And then I think that that anytime that we're exercising those muscles, it's going to spill over into mm-hmm. our life. Oh, you know? absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you just, you know, you react from a point of not fear which is what I a a lot was being guided by before and anxiety and instead of like hmm does this feel wrong because I'm it's different and I'm scared or does it feel wrong because it's bad and I'm able to discern between oh and kind of like what I was saying when I like decide between giving someone a bit of your heart versus a bit of your mind the bit of the piece of me that wants to give a bit of my mind is um is reacting from fear it's scared but the mm-hmm. part of me that is open to giving a bit of my heart is it's like oh this is just new it's unfamiliar and I think I'm supposed to do something else because I've never done this before yeah. and now I can react and say okay my intuition says it's scary but it's okay yeah yeah, yeah and it's it just yeah it's really cool to be able to tap into that so I think that that's been a big part of me you know I don't delve into as much the spiritual piece but I do t- I'm a very spiritually focused teacher and I think that that's kind of the next iteration of the the things that I'll start to share or more of that spiritual piece and spiritual practice oh mm-hmm. okay yeah. there we go stay tuned that's right yeah. that's that after my R.L. Book. Stein themed book <laughs> after your series yes based on goosebumps uh-huh. is that goosebumps yep yep yeah. exactly <laughs> exactly all right well what does everybody need to know let's see yeah well the, how they can get the book mm-hmm. everything's in the show notes yep book is everything. out um this week october 3rd and so you can buy it wherever books are sold okay and if you buy it and head to my website before october 7th i'm doing a live launch event i'm gonna have some celebrity guests and um we're just gonna dive in and do some things that are kind of off the grid and behind the scenes um dealing with the book content so if you're listening live ish you can attend that and if not i would just be so grateful if you um get a copy audiobook kindle whatever floats your boat and um, just see if it resonates with you. Would I would really, love to yeah. listen to the audio book. Yeah. I think it's going to be yeah. really good. Oh my gosh. I'm happy for you about yes. that. Yeah. Just in your own voice. Mm-hmm. So. It was so fun. Mm-hmm. I was a kid who wanted to read the longest paragraph always in grade school. <laughs> and this was like an 18 hour paragraph that I got to read. You just, was like when my we sat down, you were like, I love my voice in my, in my head. Yeah. <laughs> it feels so yeah. nice. It's like very soothing. So clearly you don't have a problem with the sound of your own voice. No, I thank goodness. Either. No, thank goodness. <laughs> Yeah. So everything will be in the show notes. Everything in the show notes. And if somebody, are you still coaching? Like Mm -hmm. if somebody wanted to work with you, that's an option. I have a signature program um, for anyone who is sober curious or new to the alcohol-free journey. And that's called Awaken Without Alcohol. Um, And it's the program that I really wanted when I was quitting drinking because it has a super spiritual focus. And then I also work privately one-on-one with women who are already alcohol-free who want more of mentorship and just continued support from someone who gets it and knows how brave and badass it is to navigate life alcohol-free. So those are the two options right now. And who knows what in the future. Thanks for being that for me. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Of course. 
if I hadn't met you, I don't know that I would have done this. I know. I'm so proud of you. And, and now we're great friends and yes, kismet. Life universe. changing. Yeah. I know. Yep. Great. You're a great friend. You I, I mean, like, and you know, maybe that's something else to come out of this. You are mm -hmm. a great friend. Like it makes you a better friend probably. Mm -hmm. So much better you than know? I was before. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so I'm really grateful to know you. Me too. I mean, when you left that day that we did our first podcast, I was like, let's be friends. Yes. And, and look so, at us. <laughs> and here we are. Yes. I think I said, I want to be your friend. Um, yeah. So thank you. Cause this has been super life changing for me. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that you're back and that we got to discuss this some more. Yeah. Um, that podcast is out. I'll put it in the show notes. If anybody wants to revisit yeah, that, that was a good one. And then I've been on yours too, which yes. I'm super grateful for talking about some of my journey. Yeah. This, which I continue to talk about, but you're such a big part of that. And so, um, yeah. So thank you for encouraging me to unbottle my own potential. Yes, uh -huh. I'm so proud of you. And everyone else, I'm so proud of you and so happy for mm -hmm. you and excited to see where this goes and how it blows up and all the things. So yes. Yay, thank you. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I love you so much. And everything is in the show notes. Everything is in the show notes for you guys. And um, I don't know, I just, uh, it's been an interesting journey. I don't know if you are sober or sober curious or not doesn't really matter. It's okay because it's all part of your journey and it's all about giving ourselves compassion for where we're at right now. And um, and I don't know where my journey is going to lead. You know, there's some days when I think, oh, I'll probably have a drink again. And then there's some days when I'm like, nah. And then there's some days I don't think about it at all. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, our journey is just our journey and that's, it's a, we're all just here to learn whatever it is we're going to learn. And, um, but this is cer certainly an interesting thing to explore. And so... It's been fun to push myself out of my comfort zone. So if you're into that, I would say go for it. So um, thank you for being here. I'd love to know what you thought of it. Uh, I know on Spotify you can write questions. You can write comments. You can always reach out to me or to Amanda and let us know what you think. I'm at Real Amy Edwards on Instagram. That's an easy place to find me. Or you can reply to my newsletter, amy at amyedwards.com. You can sign up for the newsletter. You can reply to it anytime or you can just reach out and email me. And um, yeah, I guess that's it. I'm just so happy that you're here. Thank you for being with us today. Be sure and pick up Amanda's book or listen to it. And, um, and I'll keep you apprised of my journey. Don't worry. So thank you so much. Till next time. This has been the Amy Edwards show from Overcome Studios. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And thank you so much for being here. Sign up for our newsletter at amyedwards.com.